righty, here we go. Episode 63. Uh, it's the Racing News Podcast. We're recording this public holiday, Anzac Day public holiday. So if you're listening to this a little bit later, uh, the podcast does uh, take the day for Anzac Day. Um, so this is what's coming out maybe a day or two later. But hopefully we'll get this edited and get it out as quick as possible. So we've got a very special guest with us to start with, apart from Kyle, our usual uh, co-host. Um, so Kyle, how's it going? Any any big news from you, Take Mr. Mr. Recovery, I guess? Yep, no news from me. I've been jogging for two weeks, probably my most boring training weeks I've done. So nothing exciting from me. Per- That's about my the- training recap done. Yeah, the perfect life. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to go through Dead Cow Gully, which is exactly what we're going to start with. But we're, going to, we're also going to go through the Gold Coast Run Festival. Um, we'll chat a bit about uh, some other things. Wild Horse Criterium 50, the Diagula 2-Ups was on. Uh, Scenic Rim Trail Race, race number one from Corralbin. Um, a bit about Park Run. There's a race up in Brisbane, the Anzac, uh, 10 kilometres up there. but And then we'll go around the grounds because a few things have happened around the world and around the country. But to begin with, our, uh, well, do we call him our most loyal podcast listener? Mr. Travis <laughs> Island is, jo- is joining us. How are you doing, Trav? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you, Tom, Kyle. So this this would be his uh, second, third, fourth, maybe, maybe. Um, third. Listen to the, uh, third. This is his third, third listen to the podcast. So um so trav is fresh off a triumphant dead cow gully so we're going to chat to him a little bit about his experience at dead cow gully the last one standing because um we saw some great photos that came through and obviously i think everyone's probably poured through the strava and we'd love to know a little bit about what was going on out there because obviously you're that far out at nanango that reception um for internet updates and things like that probably isn't the greatest so uh kyle i know you haven't spoken to trav i've had a bit of a chat to him um informally but kyle you haven't so I'm going to hand over to Kyle. He's going to quiz Trav a bit about Dead Cow Gully for those who are interested to see how it all unfolded. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this because obviously I can remember Trav us having conversations in the last, you know, a couple of years ago about how you're never going to run ultras. You know, that's just mm. silly. Why would anyone want to do that? And now you've run further than both Tom and I have ever run before. So you're now the resident, you know, ultra expert on this podcast. Um, but I wanted to start. So obviously we know that, you know, you don't listen to the podcast too much. So we thought we'd just get you on so we can actually have yeah. you on it. So you have to listen to it. But we know that you kind of got word of our predictions leading into to Dead Cow Gully. So run us through kind of, first of all, what were your thoughts of of that kind of those predictions heading into it? I, I must admit I was um, humbled. I, I I didn't expect to go as far as you guys expected me to go. I had high hopes um, and I had optimism, but to, to put 26 and 28 laps on me was, it was, I look, I, I loved it. Um, and I would have been disappointed if you gave me 12 laps or 13 laps. So, so I loved it. Um, and Ben giving me 19 laps. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That was in the back of my head to at least knock one of you guys off and, and yeah. get one. But yeah, I was, I was just sitting there at the dinner table and, waiting for Kath to, to do something and the podcast popped up and I saw Dead Cow Gully and I was so focused on the race. Um, I'd been watching things all week, you know, the, the Facebook page. I thought, I wonder what these two guys want to say about it. And that's why I clicked on it to, to listen. So I, <laughs> and I knew I wasn't coming to Wednesday Walkers. So I also knew I wasn't going to see Kyle and I wanted to hear about his marathon. So mm. I spent the hour, I fast forward a little bit, but I spent the hour <laughs> um, listening to the podcast, which is, which is good. So now we've got you. You're, you're going to be a fortnightly listener to the podcast, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but, Trav, I'm interested fortnight, as well. It? Well, it, yes, it's every fortnight, <laughs> okay. just so you know. We'll, we'll okay. send it to you. Okay. 
Um, Good. But I'm interested, obviously, you've only done kind of this type of, like not this type of running before, but only like relatively new to ultras. What was your kind of main lead up stuff? Because we know that you did a few kind of big runs and stuff, but take us through a couple of those big training runs you did leading into it. Yeah, I, I started back in December and I, I had some goals to number one, do some distance in the format. So 6.7K loops, come back to my car. And so I did a build up of those and I did back to back five hour one so five hours on a saturday five hours on a sunday that was my biggest and i did them at night well one during the day and one at night just to get that into me as well because i've never done those type of things and then it was just my biggest session was a a 10 hour run on my feet just to i'd never been on my feet for longer than six hours so just to get out there and i think i said to tom or i said to someone that my main goal was just to get to that last 10 minutes and see if i could still run so the the nine hours and 50 minutes leading up was a warm up and just mentally get me through and then just see if I could still move forward at 10 hours. So they were my big sessions. I did a couple of back to back, back to back marathons. Um, but that was my main one. Uh, just, and it was all mental. It was all just for me just to make sure that I could still move uh, at that time yeah. frame. So I, I knew I was going to go for more than 10 hours out at dead cow gully. So I just had to get in my head mentally. That was, yeah. that was, and I think it was, it was impressive to watch them too, Trav, because I think when we get used to like talk, looking at you know, these big backyard ultra results and these people going for days and stuff, we forget just how long being on your feet for, like you said, even like 10 hours is like, that's a long time to be on your feet. So mm. obviously you coming from not really doing many ultras to going, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll go over 10 hours. Like we kind of think of that as just like the warm up part of this race, but you know, 10, 12 yeah. hours on your feet is just a ridiculous amount of time. So Obviously, there would have been a bit of kind of the unknown going into it and not really knowing what to expect. But take us kind of through to when you got up there just before the race. I know you got to kind of see the course and whatnot a little bit before and what you kind of, one, what you were thinking the night before going into it and kind of what your expectations were for the day. So I had, because it was a farm property and and not only am I not an ultra runner, I'm not a trail runner. So I was a little uh, concerned as to what the course was going to be like. So I was super excited to hear that they had a run through on the the night before so i got up there at three o'clock set up my my camp um the tent and everything and then at four o'clock they led us onto the course and my main goal was just to see what this was about this this course and um i was pleasantly surprised it wasn't too hilly it was a bit of single trail it was it was a bit rough around the the the, um, farmyard area but it wasn't too hard it was it was i was expecting more hills so that was my lead up so i finished that warm up really confident that the course was going to be okay um the gully was out for for water reasons that that flooded it out the gully so it changed slightly but it wasn't too wasn't too tough um so i did that finished and then i was i'm glad i did it if i had woken up and had that anxiety or um lack of knowledge of the course it might have been a different story but to know the course the night before was awesome so i slept really well and i was and because we did the the walk through it um, sunset, it was beautiful. It was clear. It was it was maybe twelve, um, maybe fifteen degrees. So I was a bit coolish, um, and it gave me. I wanted to do that again the next day in the in the race. So walking around there on the warm up, I thought I can't wait to do this tomorrow, which will be the eleven or twelve hour mark. So that was that was exciting. That's how and I went to bed. What- that's, and I was going to say, Trevor, as well, it's always interesting, these events, like, you know, normally when you're, we're training for these 50Ks or 100Ks, we kind of know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to be out there for roughly this long. You're going to try and run as much as you can. When it comes to these races, like even the best people in the world all have different strategies at how they approach it. So did you kind of go in with, 
your plan of, okay, this is how I'm going to attack these, you know, first five or six laps, or was it going to be, I see how I feel and, and go from there? No, I had a regimented plan, which lasted one lap. So I had my watch set to, to beep 99 times, 99 laps. Um, I was sticking to this 1K walk, run, 300-meter walk. That was my strategy. And I was going to do that the entire way through. And I was always going to be around the 46-minute mark is what I had in my head. The very first lap took me 48 and a half minutes. And it, the terrain was just slower. It was just because you're on paddock and single trails. I was tra- doing all my training on the road and around some concrete paths. So it was two and a half minutes slower than what I thought I was going to do. Then I got back, sat in my chair, and then I started to think, well, how am I going to know what time the next lap is? Because I stopped my watch. As you guys know, I wasn't allowed to, to reset it every time. So I had to keep it going. So I paused it. And then I had to do some maths about, well, if I'm 48 and a half minutes, how long's the next one? So on the second lap, I changed my watch to just the time of the day. And I just ran for time. So I ran for seven minutes and walked for three. So my whole strategy went out the window on, on lap two. And that was a big part of the fact that it took me 48 and a half minutes. So I was just concerned how long it was going to take me because um, mm. it, was, it was slower than I thought. So my next lap was just over 50 minutes and that's where I stuck. Um, so my, my mindset changed to, well, it's not 46 minutes anymore, Trav. It's, it's going to be 50 to 52 minutes. And that was two, two things. There's 175 people out there. So mm. you're stuck behind people, the single trails. Um, there was ups and downs and I had to walk a little bit more than than I thought because um, it was just spots where you just had to walk like there's tree roots and, and things so yeah strategy I still had the same principle of making sure I walked but it wasn't the, the um, regimented system I had in place uh, it lasted one lap and then I just stuck <laughs> at then, the time of the day which is awesome yeah I think that's a good way to, you, you adjusted well then considering that that would have been kind of throwing most people off a lot to lose their plan pretty early um, and yeah. then I suppose People are probably that haven't done these type of events as well. would probably be interested. How far into it did you start to kind of get those first little doubts of, oh, this is, might be a little bit harder than I thought, or did it? Did the first kind of say ten or twelve hours feel like it went past quickly, or how were you kind of feeling through that part of the day? Yeah, physically, not a problem. Like the first when it, I remember getting to put the, the head torch on, and I was still thinking to myself, physically I feel fine, and and mentally I was in an awesome space, so I didn't it didn't hit me. And plus I was having so much fun. Like it's the type of event that is so social and it's so friendly, relaxed. There's so many words I could use. It's not like I'm looking at my watch like you were to hold three thirties at every K. It was just make sure I'm back in 52 minutes and enjoy the scenery and have a chat to people. So yeah, it was, my mind didn't, didn't wander onto my soreness or anything like that. Um, I, I can't ever remember it getting to that stage. To be honest, I, I I came back with a, a little bit of a knee thing at a, about the sixteenth hour, um, and Brody went and got me a massage gun, and I came back and I didn't I used it for maybe a minute, and it went away. Um, I never used the Nurofen I took, I never used the Panadol. I had one small little blister, but physically I was I was great. It was it's a really nice surface. It was soft grass and, and everything. Mm. So I don't know how to say this without sounding cocky. It didn't hurt much at all throughout. The thing. I, I, I did at the 40 at the marathon mark you knew you'd walked a marathon so your legs were there but i trained myself to that that was going to happen so i sort of blocked that out and thought well 
everyone's legs are going to hurt after walking a marathon or running running for six hours or whatever. Um, yeah, so I I didn't really get it. Didn't get the pain. Didn't get the I want to stop ever. And then what about like when it got kind of later in the evening? Because I know like again, Tom and I kind of did this twelve hour one when it was kind of sunlight for the whole time we did it. Did anything feel like it kind of changed once you're getting through to like you know ten eleven p.m. midnight? Like did you feel like you were getting tired at all, or was kind of the adrenaline of being in the event around people enough to keep you going? So from from first darkness, so from the seven o'clock lap through to midnight, it was it was exciting. Um, I haven't done much night stuff. Um, it was actually beautiful to see the, the the moon. It was a full moon being Easter. Um, the trail of lights, the the sound of creatures and the cows mooing, and it was really peaceful and really um, enjoyable. And I was I was buzzing. Like anyone asked me how I was going, I I just say I'm doing bloody awesome. And then about midnight, I had to bring in the Red Bull. I was just getting tired. Um, the best way to describe it, I was getting a bit dizzy. Not dizzy as in sick or anything i was just you know when you get tired and you your head nods so i was struggling a little bit on the single trail a bit so from 12 o'clock midnight is when i started to to get tired and that's not the legs the legs were definitely tired don't get me wrong but just mentally i was getting tired and then and I, I hadn't the next hadn't had a sleep yeah you're right i was gonna say what because again I don't feel like I've kind of finished one of these ones properly to know, but was there a point where you started to feel like, oh, maybe I'm coming close to the end? Like, did that hit really quickly or did that, did you feel like that was coming on over a couple of hours? Hit me really quickly. So lap 19, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. what did I do? Lap 19. So lap 19, I was fine. Um, yeah. Like I said, I was getting tired and I came in and I said to Kath, mm-hmm. I said, I'm just getting a bit tired. And I sat down, still had six minutes and then lap 20, it hit me in, in one go. Um, it took me 13 minutes to do the first K and that was the first time I'd really noticed that I was going so slow mm. and not just tired. I was getting lazy. Like I was just meandering. Like my walk at the start was about 11 minutes to do a K. So 11 minute what a pace. Um, my walk was probably 17 minutes. So I'd almost just dawdling and it wasn't because I was tired in my legs. I was just lazy and, the best way to describe it is back in the olden days when you're drunk walking home from the pub and you just your head's down and you just want to get home but you you know you're not you're not bubbly you're not energetic you just want to get home to your bed and that's how I was walking and that's when I noticed it yeah. the running I could still run but my yeah. walk was so slow and it hit me within one lap and this is one of the things Trav when I, I spoke to you yesterday about it you kept saying this word that the last two laps you kind of got lazy and you said you were a little bit annoyed with yourself when the, when the end finally came that it wasn't through physical exhaustion your body wasn't cramping you weren't breaking down you weren't vomiting you weren't any of those things that people who've done ultras might experience you just said to me i'm a bit annoyed with myself i got a little bit lazy at the end and we know that's a big part of it because obviously fatigue and mental fatigue comes into it and that's the game this is the sport isn't it but talk us through that last lap then so it was you finished 20 and then you didn't finish finish lap 21 so what happened on lap 21 that if you can just talk us through that final lap and, and yeah, so, and so lap tw- so lap twenty, I got back and I only had three minutes, and um, I knew I was struggling. And then lap t- so and lap twenty, if I go back a bit, I did thirteen minutes for that first K in lap twenty, but I got picked up by another competitor, John, who sort of gave me a bit of a strategy and he gave me some numbers and it put my head in the right spot, and I managed to, I was I was dead last on that lap twenty, 
I managed to run a lot more and catch up to everyone and got back with three minutes to spare, even though my first K was, was so slow. So when I got back in the second time for going out for lap 21, I did the same thing. It took me 13 minutes to do that first K and John was with me again. But for some reason, I don't, I can't pinpoint it. I just couldn't go. I could move forward and didn't have, I had one little blister. My legs were fine, but I just had no, no energy. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's because I ran the last two K of that lap. So I, I went out and did 13 minute K and then I started running again. And then my run was 11 minutes to do the next K. I ran the whole K and it took me 11 minutes. So I was running at walking speed. And that's when I mentally thought, well, I've really slowed down. I've struggled. I had to walk the single trail because I was getting a bit dizzy, um, which is about a K and a half of single trail. And then I started to run again and I had, I think I had 12 minutes to get back the last 2K. So in my head, I thought I can still do it. But I ran and I was running 10 minutes for a K. And I, it was just, my head was down. I just, I don't know. It wasn't. It's hard to explain. I was just tired and, and lazy. I just got lazy. And yeah. and I knew um, with about a K to go or maybe a K and a half to go, I wasn't going to make it. So I started to walk a bit and I got some enjoyment out of watching John because I could see his light. You go past the finish line and then you come back up. So I could see his light and I could hear the whistles. So I knew he was tight. And then I hear the cheers. So I knew John made it. And then I just moseyed in. I walked in and I was six and a half minutes late. Yeah. Yeah, and, and still, what's it? Yeah, what, what's it like for the next couple of hours then when you're when you're watching? Because you, I mean, as we know, the, there was there was 22 people. I think was the Australian record for getting to 24 hours, and you were the last person eliminated before that group went on. So it's almost a situation. And Kyle, I think we talked about it with Ben that if you can get to 22, 23, you're going to get to 24. So what, did you then? Were you awake, Trav, when when the 24 hour mark hit, or had you you fallen asleep then by that stage? I was. Yeah, I was dozing. I went back to my chair and just sat there. And I fell asleep within a minute and mm. maybe only 15 minutes. And then I woke up and I was cramping a bit. And I'd, that's when I realized I was, had sore legs. And then I just sat there. I didn't get up and cheer the guys or anything. I was a bit, I was just tired. I just laid, I just sat there. I saw, I was with three other guys, Sean and, and Pete and James. And I watched them come in and I have a chat to them. Watched them go out and then I doze off again. Um, yep. And we had a deal that if you made it to 24 hours, there was pancakes. So I just wanted to be around to see those guys eat pancakes. I didn't get any, unfortunately. So I stayed around and, and watched that. And yeah, I was, I was just disappointed because I watched Sean go through what I went through and he came out the other end and I just didn't have the, the tools to, yep. to come out the other end. So, so what would you do differently then? If, if you did this event again, is there something you could do differently on the day or in training? Like you, so many people have just said it literally is, it's fatigue and tiredness from the event and not necessarily muscular fatigue, but just the overall fatigue of, like you said, being awake at three o'clock in the yep. morning, four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I, definitely something I'd do differently is I would rest more. So I would come in and sit in a chair, but I, I rested my legs, but I never rested my mind. So yep. I came in, I had a routine. I took my watch off to charge. Um, I told Kath what I wanted to eat. Um, we organized the next lap. And then if I had a few minutes, I got on my phone and, and looked at footy scores and um, did stuff like that. I chatted to Kath. I chatted to Brody. I would banter with Sean. Um, 
when he was awake. But one thing I noticed, the other three guys did, they come in and they'd lay down flat and have two minutes and close their eyes and put headphones in and mm-hmm. just switch off. And I never did that. And I would have loved to have just come in because I'm the world's best sleeper. I can easily have two minutes sleep and wake up and, and feel great. So I think I was so excited about the event. I didn't want to miss anything. The, mm. That's what I explained to Kath. So I didn't want to go to sleep and miss Sean doing something or hear something on the, the announcer. So I stayed awake and active and alert, whereas I should have come in particularly once midnight hit and just spent the three minutes closing my eyes and you know, listening to music, put some dolphins on or something and yeah, something I do different. Yeah. That's, I don't that's, think that's... I've got, yeah, I watched some of the guys come in quick and do some quick laps and have a good 15 minutes sleep. I don't think, I don't think I could have run that fast to be honest on that course mm. to do that. But five minutes closing my eyes would have been huge. Well, it's it's all experience, isn't it? Like it's the stuff that you learn the first time through. Um, Kyle, anything else you want to ask Trab before we, we let him go? Because he's very graciously given up his afternoon for us before we yeah. go through the results. I Any suppose the one thing now, just obviously you've had a you've had a week to kind of process it and think about it. Does it leave you wanting to go back for more? Like have you got to this point now and gone, oh, I know exactly what I can do next time. I want to go back and do another one. Or are you kind of happy you've ticked it off now? Um, I, th- I think I'll do another one. That's what we want to hear. Only because that's what we want to hear. Yeah, only because dead cow. No, I wouldn't. I I love dead cow. This is and Tim does an amazing job. It's the most beautiful scenery. But I think the course got me. Um, Mm. And I think if it shows, you know, the caliber of races that were there, and I'm not going to say this lightly, but only 37 laps was a winning Mm. margin. Uh, You know, a flat course. You know, and even I spoke to a girl before I went out there. And she spoke about the two and she said that a flat one where there's no, you know, obstacles and and tree roots and single trails, you can almost sleep while you're walking. If you don't, you don't have to worry about what you're stepping on and your mind can switch off there. I never had that at Dead Cow. I'm not the best trail runner anyway. So you had always had to concentrate. Even on the paddocks, there was tufts of grass and things. Beautiful course. And I'm so glad I did it Um, and really well organized, but I'd probably do a, a flat if there was a flat one around a concrete path around a lake or something like that'd be me um <laughs> i think perfect all right mate well listen thanks for giving us a bit of an insight into what, what it was actually like we did enjoy putting a bit of a, a bet on to see how far you go and i think i think benny said 18 kyle am i right is benny 18 oh uh, it was 18 or 19 i can't remember yeah just no nah, he time. said 19 did he, he, said 19, 19. Right? And he said 19 so you've got benny next 20. time you see benny. him you can yep. you can let him know that you better him. i will let him know um yep and uh, yeah so we yeah it was great listening to you over the last year talk about it and and put yourself outside of your comfort zone because this is something which you've never done before so uh right. mate thanks very much for your for your time thanks for jumping onto the podcast um thanks trav no worries mate maybe you'll be a regular listener so uh once you jump off trav we can then start talking about you uh and really pull your race <laughs> apart <laughs> no worries thanks buddy uh so you can thanks, log, off, log off there see you buddy Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you, All right, Kyle. So there we now go. Gone. Now we can really dissect his race. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. It was it was interesting, Kyle. As I said, I spoke to Trav yesterday a bit about it, and he did say to me it was a lot of like the time of day. He said it literally the fatigue came on, and it was like a real tiredness that he experienced. And then hmm. when he talked through those last two laps to me yesterday, you could see he was a bit annoyed at himself for 
mm. for letting letting the walk go from 13 minutes to 14 mm. or 15 minutes or whatever he said. Um, and this is the thing, having never done this myself, I've got no idea how the fatigue comes. Does it come gradually? You know, that's the kind of question that most people want to know. Or does it literally hit you bang within the space of one or two laps? And before you've had time to adjust, you can't even react to it. Um, and it must be an extraordinary experience to know that you're going to miss that lap. Like that you're not going to get yeah. home in time. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was just as you were saying, and I was thinking like in every other ultra, like you go through that bad patch. He you know, he might've gone through that bad patch for 40 minutes and he might've got his second win 20 minutes after that happened and he'd be fine and no one would have thought and he would have carried on. But like these races, you just, you have a bad patch for 30 minutes within a whole day period and that's your race done. So I think that was yeah. one thing that it's, that's why it's so hard to get right because it just takes one bad patch, which in any other race you can go through and come out the other side and you can carry on and you don't get stopped. Imagine if like, yep. you know, you did a hundred K trial race and as soon as you had a bad patch, they pulled you off the course. Like yeah. that's pretty much what this type of racing is. So it's, it's tough to get right. Yeah. So look, an extraordinary event and yeah, the photos that have come in, I did cow are just been incredible. Um, and they did their best obviously with the updates, but signal is an issue out there at Nanango. So um, it was not, I really liked it, Kyle, when we saw the photos that coming up on Facebook about which cow tags were left. Um, and I think this is one of the things I wrote down here. I think they've actually left Barry Loveday's I saw tag. I'll leave the it there for the year. Yeah. For a whole year. Cool so that, that? that's, that's awesome. So as, let's go through a few results here. As I said, there were 22 runners who broke the Australian record for the most runners to get to 24 hours. And I think the previous record was 21. So the pressure, and I would love to have known what it was like in that group, you know, when if someone was starting to feel fatigued that the groups are saying, come on, just get to 24 with us and then you can decide what to do. Um, but Trav said to me yesterday, the, it was, he was amazed at how many who got to 24 kept going. Like they got to 28, 29, 30. And I think quite a few pulled out late on. So the top three, uh, and you'll be particularly impressed with this Kyle, cause I think this was your prediction almost I think I got third place, close. third place, Ryan Crawford, 34 uh, yards. Um, and I guess the surprise was was Joshua Duff, 36 yards. Mm. But those who know him, I think he's from North Queensland, those who know him and his triathlon background, probably not too surprised at how well he was able to go. But obviously he's a new name um, in southeast Queensland. So Joshua Duff, 36 laps, and Barry Loveday, uh, 37 laps for Barry. So, um, yeah, a great. And that this is the thing I've, I've noticed on, on the last one standings. Once you get to that 35 and above, you know, there's not too many left, is there? This seems to be a number no. which you, you can win at 36, 37, but obviously we've gone a fair bit higher in other races. But um, if you look there, they call it the assist, don't they? The assist from Joshua to Barry was only two laps in front of Ryan. Mm. And sometimes you get an assist that's going for 10, 12 yep. hours. So um, Nicole Jukes, longest female, 30 uh, laps she did, uh, along with a few people that we know, uh, Peter McKeska, 30 laps. Um, I think Rowan Cassidy was about 30 as well, so he'll be happy with that. Sean Lyons, the legend of Sean Lyons, apparently was drinking lots of cups of tea. Uh, James Blanton, who we know as, as well, was 30 laps. But um, Trav said Rowan's – I don't know if you saw the photo, Rowan Cassidy built the bridge. I think he called it the Barry right. Loveday Bridge, and he, he, bought a, he built a bridge which went over a bit of a um, undulating sort of section to make it a bit easier. So Rowan's made the bridge, and I think the bridge is going to stay. So some great stories come out of these these type of events, but um, certainly hasn't uh, lifted my aim to ever jump in this. No, so. <laughs> I've quite enjoyed just watching from afar and looking at updates. Now <laughs> no, it would look like a great event. I before I go into, and you might know what they actually gave each of the. Well, they call them DNFs at the end. What, what's 
without giving away maybe the event, has there been a particularly bad finishes prize that you've got at the end of a of an ultra or a race of some sort Ooh. where you've thought that wasn't yeah, worth it? Yeah, I think I think my favorite my, my favorite was one where I think as a prize I got I, I came second this day and I got a, a glass and a warm banana smoothie. And that was <laughs> that was an interesting experience. <laughs> I'm sure the people that have done these events would know what I'm talking yep. about because everyone got one at the finish. And that was, I can always remember that. I don't know why, but that I, I, I drank it. I was feeling quite yep. like I could have anything at that point, but that was not what I expected to be handed on the finish line of this was a, I think I actually got the smoothie before I even got my, my glass for yep. coming, for coming second. The first thing I got handed was a smoothie. So that was an interesting experience. I think I know the event because I've I've had a, been given a banana smoothie at the end of a 50k <laughs> as well. So I think I know what you're talking about. Now this one, um, this one, it, it's it's simplicity um, becomes its beauty. I think so. Every DNF, as they call them, was actually given a vacuum sealed bag of cow poo. Um, so How good's that? that that goes up there. So they got that as well. Frame Obviously that. Got, that can go yep. on the pool room wall. Yep. Uh, they got their cattle tag as well. The the cattle ear tag as well, which I thought was quite a cool way to do it um so yeah so well done to barry for 37 yards and yeah, nicole although they enter it's not a male female category um uh, but they, they do sort of make the mention that nicole got to 30 as well so but and could to, to all 22 runners to be part of the australian record um must be quite quite awesome to be part of so yeah there we go last one standing good to hear the insights of someone who was there someone who a year and a half ago said how hard can it be um so he's battled well he's battled very well there like i said he did better than both of us by a long way so we can't we can't talk oh, yeah. any crap about him now because he's no, significantly no. better than us at that type of racing definitely now same weekend kyle there's there's, there's races are plenty we knew this was gonna oh, happen i know uh, not much through december january and now they come thick and fast uh triple a have had a couple of events over the last two weekends so kyle the wild horse well, Wild Horse Criterion, Wild Horse Race, they kind of combined them together, didn't they? But we want to focus on one of the one of the races there, the 50. Yeah, so I had a couple of friends got for this one. So yeah. they had relatively small fields for this one. So we had, I think, eight starters in the 50. But I'll go through the results here. So we had in the females, Tamara Trotman was second. She ran 557. And Sheree Barnes, all friend, you know, friends of ours here on the coast, she ran uh, five hours 46 to take out the female win. Um, so what well under Sheree, that's a very impressive uh, win there. Um, and then we had Joshua Luck was third in the 50K. He ran 5.06. Troy Lethleen, good friend of ours, um, he ran 5.03. And word is that he was kind of using this as a bit of a training run and was fairly, really, I don't know if he was just behind Joshua or just in front of him, but kicked down very hard in the last few kilometres to put three minutes in about the last three Ks into Joshua, running low yeah. four-minute Ks. So that's a great finish from from Troy. But Backing up from his Buffalo Stampede Grand Slam, followed by very fast park run the weekend after, Brad Glover has gone and run four hours and 32 minutes for 50Ks on trail. So he is absolutely smashing it at the moment. So that's a half an hour victory for Brad. So he's he's running very, very well. So I think he'd be very pleased with himself after that one. Well, you've always said, Kyle, when you know you're in good form, just race as much as your body allows it to. And Brad's getting as much out of his body as he possibly can. Uh, and then, of course, for those of you who saw maybe a bit on Strava, so backing up a week later after that, Sheree and Brad then rode to Byron and back uh, in the space of a couple of days. So really, they're getting a lot. They're getting a lot at the moment. So they're both in very, very good form there. So so well done. Um, a Diagula two-ups, that was this morning, yesterday, I think maybe. This, definitely this weekend at some stage. Um, 
Some results, Kyle. Have you got the results for the? Yeah, the I do have the results for that one. So they've got a, a couple of shorter distances and stuff, but the marathon's kind of the main event there. So in the females, I think we only had two females that did this one actually. So Milani Maloney, she ran six sixteen for second, and then Lawrence Vandaloo ran five fifty seven. Um, so first and second there, and they were actually seventh and eighth overall. So right near each other, there was no one between them. Um, and then in the males, we had Paul Williams ran five oh eight. Grant Ward was second in 4.53, and Mark Ainsworth took the win in 4.39. So another, like I said, races all over the place at the moment. So that's another another marathon that we can add to the list and tick off for, for 2022. And one of the things, so they were both uh, AAA races. So one of the things that I've noticed in the last week, I think Alan put a post up about the Glasshouse 100 that happens in September mm. every year. He's managed to go back and 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 source um, the ceramic pots, the clay pots, for people to get at the finish line. And I was particularly um, interested in this because one of the things I remember at Wednesday Walkers when Ando used to come to Wednesday Walkers with us that he would always drink from his glass house, um, you know, ceramic uh, ceramic cup that he had. So it's it's wonderful that that Alan's got that because it's a real sort of unique and iconic thing that you can get as a finisher. So did you get one, Kyle, in your your famous race that you had up there where you? Yeah, I've got two or three of them, two or three of them up in the cupboard, actually. I use them quite often. I haven't used them lately, but, yeah, I've got a couple of them. You used to get kind of, if you did the longer ultra ones, you got a bigger size and then the smaller races were the smaller ones. So I've got a couple of both. So if I needed just a small coffee, I've got my little one from, I think, a 25K I did, and I've got a couple of bigger ones from the the 50s I've done up there. So I think it's great that they're back because I've got to add to my collection. Well, this is the thing, like, it, there are so many races we've talked about this, and once you do a race, sometimes it's hard to go back. And I've done the 50 there once. But as soon as I saw this, I, it actually made me go, oh, I want to go back, not so I can run 50 there, but just so I can get one of these ceramic mugs because they are quite iconic. And it's great that – I think it's great when each ultra has its own sort of finishing idea. Like, we know that um, Andrew Boney with the Scenic Rim Ultra, he's got the big sort of a Cobra when you finish the race there. Um, we know some races have got buckles and things like that. So, you know, at Yandina they had the – you know, the big beer canisters that they had. And Alan's obviously with the glass house has got this. So apparently each of them are handmade. They're each slightly different from each other, but they all sort of fit fit the same theme. So yeah, maybe, maybe I've got a coastal high ticket. So that's, when is that? Early September, end of August, early September. Yeah. I've got a coastal 50 ticket. I was looking at black or 50. So maybe, can you squeeze? I could squeeze another one in the middle, surely. Surely. <laughs> unless, unless you're Brad Glover. I don't know about that. That's right. <laughs> Maybe not. All right, let's let's move from the um, from the joys of trail running and, and last one standing racing onto the road because it's it's now the the age of the road runner. We've seen a few people now that UTA has been cancelled, Kyle. Uh, the the shift has been almost instant, isn't it? People who have been spending their time on the border trail or into the rang have suddenly gone. No, I'm from, I'm Main Beach to Burley. I'm running that street from Main Beach to Burley. Um, and so the GC the GC running festival uh, was on. Yeah. She's like, I'm losing track. Is it yesterday morning? Sunday yesterday. Morning? Yeah. Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning. Uh, and some good times, some quick racing. And I, I actually messaged you yesterday evening because um, someone said to me, oh, did you see Ruth Croft running the half marathon? I said, no. No, I'm sure you don't mean Ruth Croft as in the New Zealand trail runner. And he was like, no, no, definitely Ruth Croft. And I messaged you and you said, yeah, you had to do a double take to to see if it was actually her. What What is she doing here? Do you know? Is that Was that I a UTA no thing? Idea. Maybe she was in well, the I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. So I, because I follow Ruth on I think Instagram, and I think I'd seen her post a video of her running mountains in the South Island in New Zealand about three or four days ago. So I hadn't thought anything of it. And then I went down because I had a couple of athletes running and I was just kind of standing at the kind of turnaround point of the half marathon. So about halfway in and 
we were watching a couple of people come through and I was like, oh, there's the first female. I kind of looked over and I, like I said, I did a double take and I was like, that looks just like Ruth Croft. And then she got closer. I went, that is Ruth Croft. Like, why is she running the GC running festival half marathon? Like, yeah, you know, she's one of the top ranked trail runners in the world. And she just happens to have popped up on the Gold Coast at this little running festival. So I have no idea what she's doing over here or why she picked that run. I don't know if she just saw that it was on and was happened to fly into the Gold Coast a couple of days ago. But yeah, so I'll go through a couple of results. But yeah, that was kind of a little surprise what? for the day. Um, I wonder if anyone knew. I wonder if they knew, like the, the announcers or anyone knew that one of the greatest trail runners in the world at the moment for females is there on the start line. They could have, they could have done, given it. I don't think pretty much anyone there in that road running scene had a clue who she was. I think I, I was quite excited because I was like, oh, look at that. And I don't think anyone else even had a clue who she was. So she could have, she no, could have I been introduced in the same way you are. They could have introduced oh, her as the trail runner. The, I think she can be introduced by many more things. She's got a lot more <laughs> achievements than I do in trail running, that's for sure. <laughs> but no, that was that was kind of good to see her. But um, I'll go through the 10K as well because there was some good, some good running in the 10K. So uh, for the females, uh, Kaya Anderson was third. She ran 37.22. Uh, Shiloh Watts was second, 37.14, so only eight seconds ahead. Um, and then Cassie Fien ran 35.07, so she took the win in that one. And then in the, the male race, again, some quick times. So Oscar Dart was third in 31.38. Alex Harvey second in 30.59. And then Sam McAuliffe, um, he ran 30.56 to take out the win. So that's an, that's an incredible run by Sam on that course because it's definitely not not the fastest course getting around. So to run, yeah. you know, sub 31, those first couple of guys, they've they've run really, really well. So that was that was good to watch. Um, and then in the half marathon, so if I go through the, the females first, so third place we had uh, Leah Fitzgerald. She ran 121. Second was Brittany Harridan. She ran 120.02. And as we just spoke about, Ruth Croft took out the win in one fifteen forty. So mm. she was, you know, well in amongst all of kind of the Salt Train boys that were there and Adzi and a few others. She was kind of smack bang in the middle of that group. So, yeah, it was, like I said, a bit bizarre to see her there, but Ruth Croft took out the win. That's probably one of the biggest names they've had win the, the Gold Coast Running Festival, I would yep. say. That's a pretty impressive one. So that was the, the female one. And then the half marathon. So this had... Quite a lot of familiar names, a lot of friends of ours were doing this one, um, which was good to watch because, again, the Salt Train, Ando and Eddie, uh, Joey and Andrew were all there running as well. We had Adzi running, uh, Chris who trains with us, uh, Trev as well, who I went down to watch. So it was kind of those people all over the place that we're trying to keep track of. But I kind of got down there and was standing at halfway and I saw the leader come through and he had a, I think, distance culture, which is a squad in Brisbane shirt on. And you could tell he was moving pretty quick. And then there was almost like a minute or two before I felt like anyone else kind of came around and I thought, what's going on? Like, is he in a different race here or is everyone else just running slow? Like I'm trying to work out what was happening, but he was just running quite quick. So he was off in front um, and then kind of saw the rest of the group come through. And then we saw them at halfway headed into the stadium to kind of watch them finish. Cause it's a great little finish to that race where you kind of get yeah. to go inside Seabus stadium on the artificial grass and run the, the last hundred meters down the footy field um obviously the one thing that made it difficult is the 10ks are all finishing at the same time so you're kind of trying to look through the back half of the 10k waiting for these leaders to come through um but then in the end we had uh melvin wong was third he ran 113 33 marcus hughes was second 113 32 so they pretty much had a sprint finish down the last 100 meters for second place and then we had christopher bracken uh, who runs for a group up in Brisbane. I believe he's from out Toowoomba way, I was getting told today. Okay. Um, he ran 110.43, so he had about a three-minute win in that race. So, you know, kind of went to the front early and looks like he ran the whole thing solo and ran really well. So 
yeah, it was good to watch. It was good to get down there and kind of be amongst another running event and kind of catch up with everyone that I hadn't seen for a little while. And yeah, it was a good morning all around. How good has it been a spectator at running races? It's actually a lot of fun, isn't it? It was great. I was loving it. I thought I'm not sore. I'm not tired. Can have a coffee. Just watch everyone run. This is yeah. This is fantastic. So you, don't to to <laughs> you don't have to run. You don't have to run. You can just hang around with runners. It's you sometimes get the same sort of kudos. Um, but some like you, like you mentioned, some other good na- uh, names that we know of, and you know, yeah. people that are well known on the coast inside that top ten. I think Adzi was uh, Adzi Gordon was fifth, one fourteen. Um, I think he was, Eddie, Ke- then, Eddie Keogh seventh was he one fifteen, and then he Ando was seventh. In- Ninth. And I was 10th. And then even like oh, Jai yeah. Dean, who looks like leads a salt train group. He was 118. Uh, yep. Jake Townsend, who I think we both know from, from the sunny coast way, he ran 118. Uh, Chris, who runs with us, ran 119. That was his first one, sub 120. Sam Douthway, who runs with Adzi's group, we know as well. He was 119. So it was just, yep. you know, familiar names the whole way down this list. And I think that's what's always good about kind of these local events is you tend to get to see all, all your mates out running. So, yeah, I had a great time down there kind of watching all them come through and they all ran really well. And I think fourth place in the females, was that was that Jess Willis who ran, she ran GC50 last year, I think 125, is that off the top of my head? Uh, she ran 125.51, yes, she was fourth. Yep. Um, and I jotted this down here, the third place in the 10 kilometres, you said Kaya Anderson, she was actually in the 12 to 15-year-old category. Now, if that's correct... And she's run 37-22 at between 12 and 15 years of age. That's that's a very impressive run to get third yeah. out right there. So, uh, yeah, wonderful to see some road running. Uh, and it now is the season of road running. As we were we were talking off air that everything kind of now is sort of pushing towards the Gold Coast Marathon now that a few, well, I guess the biggest trail race in the country has been postponed to October. Um, so now everything gears towards GC Marathon. And we said, Kyle, it's been, it will have been three years since the Gold Coast Marathon. Uh, and that was the year that, the year that you announced the three-hour paces. So amazing. Amazing. That feels like I said, um, it's, a, it's a long time ago, but, yeah, three years. Good to have yeah. it back, though. Yes, definitely. All right, let's jump from road back to trail. So Scenic Rim, uh, race one. I think there's four races in the Scenic Rim trail series. First one was out at Corralbin, which, Kyle, a few years ago, you dominated that course, as I remember. Uh, you said it was very smooth terrain, beautiful mountain bike trails out there, very runnable. Um, if I remember the maps and the, the videos that I sort of took, it, a lot of switchbacks quite early on. Um, so, yeah, so something a little bit different. If you're used to running in Narang um, and then you head out to Corral, but I think the running is, is beautiful out there in comparison. So short course uh, was about nine kilometres. Long course was 14, but I think they had to change that because of some, uh, some you know, weather that sort of affected the course. So I think the short, the long course actually came down to about 12 or 13 kilometres all up. So I'll go through the short course. Uh, females, third place, Alexi Newey was 58-11. Hayley Verges, 53-31. And then, uh, well, a goat loop star, Dana Marr, 45-13. Almost took out the overall win there. Uh, So Dana takes that win in the females by eight minutes or so. In the males, Bradley Rose, 52-56. Eric Apoku in 49-46. And then Kane Beattie in 45 minutes flat i think it was uh so just a little bit ahead of dana there uh for the short course in the long course then i had a little bit of a chat to brad ed who, who podium so i've got a little bit of info about that so in the females tanya glover 126 tina king 126 claire mcatee um McAteer, 125 and then brad said in the uh in the male race that the winner or the eventual winner he ran off pretty quickly and he said that the the guy who came third behind him was pretty much right behind him for 
10, 11 kilometres of the race and Brad put on a little bit of a, an effort going up one of the hills quite late on and put a little bit of a gap into him, 100 metres or so. And that was enough to hang on to second place on the podium for Brad Ed. So that's, that's a great result for him. Ethan Bryden, third in 102. Brad Ed, second in 102. And no relation, I don't think, Kyle, but we should find out about no, this. There is uh, no relation. I do know Quinton. No relation. Quinton Gill, 57 minutes 10. So that's a, that's a good win, five minutes over, over 11. They have run together, kilometers. Jack and Quinton, though, so they do know each other, but no relation. But have okay. traded a bit together. Okay. All right. Um, and so the next race is Swan Gully. Uh, I've been out to that one myself. That's a beautiful sort of setting out there. I think it's actually a four, uh, four-wheel drive park, Swan Gully. So I think a lot of this is fire road. Look, that's June the 5th. Um, and looking at this, I think there's about 15 kilometres, 16 kilometres of long course, and it's about 700 metres of vertical, six, 700 metres of vertical. So it's quite tough going. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for a good trail race, maybe if you had tickets to UTA and you're looking just to get that out of your system, then head out to Swan Gully for June the 5th for race two. And then there's a few more races. I think there's one on June 19 and a bit later as well. So, yeah, definitely. So uh, I'd love to get out there to Swan Gully. It's, it's been on my it's been on my radar. It looks like a great one. I guess, and going out west to these races as well, it's got a very different feel to, I guess, ones that we've had around here over the summer with the um, Southeast Queensland Trail Series. They do have two very different feels to them. And that winter feel, I think they have, you know, Andrew has the fire going beforehand, and it's just got it's got a nice feel to it. The Scenic Rim Trail Series, and of course, everything leads up to their their ultra later in the year. Um, Radio Kyle, let's jump around. Shall I go into some park run? Would you like me to? Yeah. Oh, look, I don't think much has happened, but if you can find anything, just sure we can, sure well, we can mention it quickly. I had a few. I had a look around. I, I avoided a few. I kind of I kind of looked south to be honest. I looked sort of Kira Kingscliff. I thought not much has happened. Has happened really north of Kira or Kingscliff. So I'll focus on those if, that, if that's all right. So we don't often go down to Kingscliff, but a very impressive time. Uh, Sam Shield, 15 minutes 42 uh, in the last couple of weeks. So that, that's a good time. Uh, not good enough to get time. inside the, not good enough to get inside that top 10 from last year, as you would know. So maybe, as I said to you before, maybe that should be our cutoff, that we don't talk about anything unless it's under that. So what was that? About 15, 1529, I think, last year we had the top 10. So... so might be a yeah, close. quiet year close. so far. Close, Sam. Close, Sam. But that not, not much there. So also at Kira, um, Mark Hones on the 12th of March, he ran 16 flat. And he's actually dominated Broadbeach, Kyle, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks. I've seen him um, right. going through February and March. Mark Hones has actually got better and better and better and has really dominated Broadbeach. So uh, so he's done very king well of there. Now, I get it. We could, we, could, we could call him the king of Broadbeach even. The King of Broadbeach, I think so. That's a very good name. Um, also, a very impressive time at Broadbeach in the female race uh, this weekend was Olivia Kelly, 1851 at Broadbeach. So that's a good that, time. That that, a that, time. I don't think that'll get into um, the top 10 for the females, 1851, but it'll be, it'll be close. I think last year it was certainly into the into the low 18s, maybe high 17s. So, yeah, there's been, look, there's been a lot of good things happening uh, around Parkrun. Oh, no, I think else. we actually, we, we forgot one. If Paradise we? Point on the weekend, right. Michael Spence, big PB yep. for Michael, took out the yep. win, 1838. That's his yep. PB that he's been going for for a while. Cracking run. Yep. I'm a bit biased there because I look after Michael, but he's running extremely well. So lucky we didn't forget that one. Excellent. So as, as we said, Park Run really is is the place where you, you would find a lot of people going to Park Run now as well in the lead up to the Gold Coast Marathon and, and doing some times there. Um, so definitely some some time trials that will be happening. We're trying to find a Norths weekend where we can have um, the North time trial. So we'd probably make it a genuine 
five five k, wouldn't we, Kyle? Up sort of paradise point. Oh, you kind of have to. Five thousand. I was thinking about this. I was like, if we went to those ones that aren't, like, I don't even think I'd count that as my PB. But <laughs> that's just me being a bit biased. But <sighs> all right, let's put him out of his misery. Should we? Should we put Jack out of his misery? So those of you oh, that don't know, Jack Gill, a remarkable performance on the weekend. We've we've been jumping around this for the last minute because we were trying to hold him back because uh, we know he's going to be listening. So Jack, well done. He actually broke the course record down at Broad Beach. 15.34, an electric time, uh, a time that I think we probably say we all knew he was definitely capable of. Um, lowered the time. I don't know what the previous time was. I think it was, it was I think only... 15.40 or 13.8. Yeah. It was close. Yeah, it was about 15.40, I think. So great video of Jack at the end, sort of gunning it to the finish line. So 15.34 in April is a good time for park running. That, that's not even getting and I heard the that, the, you know, there was probably about 53 dogs across the course. There were some yep. slippery parts. So he probably yep. would have run like 15.10 if that was in good 10. conditions. But look, <laughs> we'll just we'll so, leave it at 15.34 for now. So, you, I mean, looking at Sam's time at Kingscliff, and I, I haven't looked through all the other times, but I'd say that they're probably the top two park run times of the year so far. But we know, as we said last year, we know you've got to duck into the, that sub 15.30 to get into that top 10. So... Uh, he's definitely a chance this year. I'd love to see Jack squeeze into that top 10. He definitely um, is a chance. Yeah, so, I think he, he, yeah. he will do it this year. That could be one of yeah, my predictions. There's been, some, there's been some good times around that. As I said, Mark Holmes, if you look back through the events at, at Broadbeach, he's done really well there. Um, so, yeah, so well done to Jack. It was a great time and and, yeah. and good to see him posting a, a time which we know he's capable of. So, yes, let's move on from Park Run. Uh, what do we got? Note from the goat. Here we go. Yeah. We've, held, we've held it back a little bit. Note from the goat. Now. Here we go. This normally every fortnight we have about 120 goat loops done. So in the last, I think we ended the last year, the last week at about 7,018. This time, this afternoon, 7,223. So we've had about 200 done in the last fortnight. So we're looking good. The numbers boasting up. Um, we're not 100% sure of who did the 7,000s, but we're thinking it's Troy Lethlian. I think that's who we're going to say has it. Um, yes. So keep an eye on this number to be the 8,000th, 9,000th, and then I reckon we can get to 10,000 by the end of the year. But my goodness, it'd well, be the a way we're going. You never know. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Everyone, that's what we were talking about it the other day. That's the one everyone's going to want. Who's going to run the 10,000th goat loop? So yeah. we're within a year of that happening. So there could be a big day. I don't know how we're yeah. going to work it out. We're going to have to have like a camera set up at the finish line. We'll set it up at about 3 a.m. and we'll know how many yeah. we need for the day and we'll have to sit my there and wait and watch. But that, that will be a big day, that one. <laughs> you can head back out there with your counter, with your clicker that you had yeah, for that. That's right. That was for the 3,000th, wasn't it? That one. Um, it's going quick. So, local legend at the moment, he's building towards 90. I've always said I've, I've never seen the local legend this high, but I'd love to see it at 90 because 90 goat loops in 90 days would be a great number. Uh, Scott George is at 75 at the moment. So, he is building. He's building a long way. Um, a couple of good times have been happening. Uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but someone posted a time of 33 minutes, which is good. We know the course is rough at the moment. Um, but, Kyle, we had a good uh, sort of little get-together yesterday afternoon for Kerry Suter. Uh, it was K's for Kerry, wasn't it? So we decided to do a goat loop. So do you want to let everyone know the reason why? It wasn't just to boast, boast of the goat loop numbers. That wasn't the reason we're out there. Um, but Kerry is linked quite no. closely to the goat loop, isn't he? Yeah, so Kerry's got a love-hate relationship with it because he thinks it's a terrible loop, but he's also run very fast on it multiple times and had the, had the crown. But obviously, like we said a few weeks ago after Kerry's accident, um, obviously people were raising a fair bit of money and it was organised from a group to do this weekend called Case for Kerry where people all over the world were we were signing up for this uh, virtual 
virtual run. You could run wherever you want. Um, and then you'll just make a donation to their kind of fundraiser to, to fund his rehabilitation, which will be ongoing. And yeah, we kind of, it was organized, Kath, Trav's partner, organized this goat loop for everyone to kind of get together on yesterday afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was great because, again, there was a lot of people there that, you know, we used to run goat loops together, you know, five, six, seven years ago, a long time ago, and kind of getting everyone back together and, and getting out there and, and going for a hike and a jog and, and just catching up and like I said, hopefully raising a bit of money for Kerry. And, yeah, it was a, it was a great afternoon. I really, really enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, great to see Ben Melby out there as well, who now has been introduced as Jake Melby's brother, which that's a good, that's a nice, that's a nice turnaround. Um, so of course, Ben Melby 3001 was the original goat king. Uh, and as we were hiking up the, the goat climb, I did think it would be a great chance to, to take a new photo to actually put inside the, the log, which is that's on the right true. hand side. Because there's no even, that's true. not only has the picture disappeared now, but the picture frame has gone as well. So we need something. We need something adding on there. Um, any other things from the goat loop? I mean, Ben and I were talking in the week about um, we've got a little bit lazy on the goat loop in the past. Like we've lazy. I've done three goat loops in the last eight days. That is not lazy. That is my biggest eight-day goat loop total in years. So I'm yes. I've been very active on the goat loop in the last in the last fortnight. No, I'm proud of myself. Not, not lazy in terms of how many loops, but lazy in terms of how we run the loop. So we found that we're starting to walk a bit more than normal. So. Um, I think you guys so are just getting old, that's all. I don't think you're getting maybe. lazy. I think that's just age. <laughs> there was some talk of a, of, a, of a working bee, people just moving a rock to the side and just clearing a single trail through there. Um, but we'll wait to see if it gets graded through the winter um, to see what happens on the goat loop. But, yeah, so we, we, look, we look forward to potentially what people are going to get up to out there. Oh, actually, that was one other thing, Kyle, wasn't it? Excitingly, a couple of days ago, we did hear word that there was a Kokoda team or just a team who was going out there hiking and their plan was to hike for 48 hours. And we knew that they were starting on the Friday afternoon mm. at six o'clock. Um, and I think it was Dave Coombs's brother-in-law was actually doing it. So we thought, oh, wow, that is unbelievable. Like if, even if he goes out and hikes the goat loop, because they were trying to do an Everest challenge, which is 8,000 metres. But it turns out, I don't know what you call this loop, Kyle, but it turns out they were going up three hills and then back down, you know, that 4K loop. I call it baby loop. Yeah. Um, it turns out they were doing that. So there's a great a number of goat loops that have been missed there because there's four of them actually hiking around. Uh, so we saw them out there. They were 40 hours into their hike in the rang. 40 hours into well, they ended up doing 48. Crazy. Crazy. Um, but yes, disappointing that they weren't on the goat loop. But like they said, they needed to get as much vertical as they could for the amount of time that they're out there. Uh, just an excuse not to do the goat climb, I reckon. So... You've got a few more details here, Kyle, about uh, a race up in Brisbane, the Anzac, the Anzac race, some sort of Anzac race, a 10K up in Brisbane, a uh, bit difficult, bit hilly, bit long. Yeah, so I kind of saw this, so I think it was the Mateship 10K, they kind of do it around Anzac Day, I think it was a few of them around the country, but they kind of started kind of through Brisbane, up over the Story Bridge, kind of Kangaroo Point area, so not the fastest course in the world, and I think it ended up being just over 10 kilometres, 10.3-ish around that um, but I'll go through the results quickly because there were some, again, some fast times run. Um, Eliza Buzzacott-Spear was third and she ran 39.08. Uh, second place was Narissa O'Donnell. She was 38.40 was her finish time. Then we had first place was Murphy Rankin, so a very familiar name to the podcast. She ran 36.36. Um, so that's a great run for Murphy. She took out the, the win there. And 
looks like by the looks of this, Miles Burfield was in tenth and has outkicked Murphy by two seconds. So well done to Miles for, <laughs> for outkicking the, the lead female there in that one. Yeah. And then um, in the the male race, Peter Bracken was third. He ran thirty four oh one. Matthew Hansen was second, thirty three twenty nine, and Kieran Perkins ran thirty one twenty one. Um, and I did ha- I did see Kieran's run pop up on Strava, and then he averaged three minute Ks. So that kind of goes to show that the course well, definitely was a little bit long. So for him to average three minute Ks over that course, and I think it had nearly 100 meters of, of vertical gain, and that is a is a cracking run. So mm. yeah, some more fast running from from the guys and girls up in Brisbane. Yes, but not just uh, selectively the Brisbane's, because you've got some other things, Cole, that have been happening around the grounds, or around the regions, around the world, of some extraordinary ultra running. Yeah, it's us? been a it's been a big weekend. So I'm going to start off kind of locally in Australia. There was the Sydney Invitational 100K, which is um, some of the best kind of 100K runners in the country kind of got together there. Um, and Karina Black, who's from the Gold Coast here, she took out the win in the female race. She ran 8.36.39. So that's a wow. cracking run from Karina. Um, and again, Karina's gone to the World Championships for the 100K before. But yeah, you know, I always just am in awe. Every kind of Saturday morning I get up and I, I get into work and I'll quickly <laughs> have a look at my phone and Karina has done 40 or 50 kilometers pretty much every Saturday morning for as long as I can remember. Um, just about five minute K is just up and down the coast. It's yeah. always so impressive. I think, geez, I haven't even run this morning and she's just done 50 Ks every morning. So <laughs> she puts in the training career. So that's a really well-deserved result. She's been doing those long runs for, for a long time and still smashing out some fast times. Um, and then on the male side, uh, so Dion, who's, he ran two weeks ago. I believe it was only two weeks ago. He went for, he wanted to go for the Australian record. Um, and he's run sub seven on multiple occasions and he's gone to the world champs before. Um, and the Australian record is 629.26 by Tim Sloan. That was set back in 1995. And I actually went and looked at this earlier today. It was set when I was about six weeks old. So that goes, that shows you how long that record's been around for. Um, so Dion actually went for it on a track race down in uh, Melbourne two weeks ago. And he got through and ended up running about 80 Ks before he pulled out because he just wasn't feeling great and wanted to hold off and go for it again. And he, he's gone for it again only two weeks later. So um, so Dion runs a lot of Ks and can back up like no one I've ever seen. So he kind of went two weeks after he did 80 Ks and missed the, the time he wanted. And he went for the Australian record and he missed it by a minute and 17 seconds, which is kind of devastating, but it's also an incredible run. So it's the second fastest time by an Australian ever. He ran 6.30.43 down in wow. Sydney. So that's agonizingly close and the each lap of the i think it was about a 5k loop approximately and you finish with kind of a lap of the track each loop about 350 meters on the track um so he would have been on the track when that time passed so Mm. it's somewhat devastating for him to to get that close but also an absolutely incredible run so i think he averaged about 352 per kilometer for 100 kilometers which is just mind-blowing so nearly got the australian record so the australian record's still standing it's been there for 27 years and yeah, it's going to hang on for at least another year, I would say. But like I said, I think Dion's capable of it. And who knows if someone else is going to come along and try and go for it. So incredible run by you know everyone down at that race. But I was kind of in a, like amazed at that and just looking at the times going, oh, 352 per kilometre, like 6.30 for 100Ks. Like, isn't that incredible? And then got to kind of Sunday evening and all of a sudden all these other Instagram things started popping up on social media and Facebook and whatnot that we had just seen a new world record for 100 kilometers so alexander sorokin who you might have heard us week i think we spoke about him towards the end of last year he broke the he's broken the 100 mile world record and he also broke Giannis karos's 24 hour world record of 303 kilometers in a day 
which had stood for a long time and people kind of thought would not get broken and he absolutely smashed it. He has come out on a track and ran 605.41. So he took just under a minute or about a minute off the world record, but that works out to be 339 minutes per kilometre for 100 kilometres continuously, which is just absolutely mind-blowing to run that fast yeah. for, for six hours continuous. So we now have a new 100-kilometre world record. 605, did you say, for that? 605.41 is the new wow. world record. And you saying before how much of a, a talent Dion is for Australia is, you know, the world record is 25 minutes in front of him. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, 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 a quarter, you know, it's a quarter of a minute, 15 seconds a kilometre, isn't it? Like, it's amazing. And for those people, that's right. Like, for those people who remember watching Hoka when they released their new Carbon X, or I think it was the Carbon X, Rocket X, whatever shoe they were releasing, they did a 100K kind of world record attempt. And Jim Wamsley went for the previous world record and he missed it by about a minute and a half or 20 seconds or he mm. missed it by whatnot. So Alexander Sorokin's run a couple of minutes faster than even what Jim Wamsley ran. So we know what a talent he is over the the long distances, including road and, and trail. So, yeah, and he couldn't quite get it. So he's got a new mark to try and chase as well. But like I said, it's, it's now one of those ones we start looking and going, you know, will anyone run sub six for a hundred Ks? Can you imagine running a hundred Ks in five hours and 59 minutes? Like we're starting to get inside marathon cutoff time. Marathon yeah. cutoff time is normally six hours where these guys yeah. are almost running a hundred Ks within a marathon cutoff time, which is just absolutely unbelievable. But yeah, just absolutely incredible. So what did you say his kilometer pace was? Three th- same I ran in Canberra, 339 and I was heading backwards very quickly and he's run a hundred Ks at that pace. So off the top of my head, I think that's an 18 minute 15 park run. So if you're a park runner, imagine running 20, imagine running 18, 15 for a park run and then doing that 20 times over. That's incredible. Absolutely yeah, amazing. Just, yeah, it's mind blowing when you, when you break it down like that. And also for him to only break the world record by a minute, like yeah. he must, I don't I haven't looked at his exact splits, but I'd say he was going for around the world record pace and he's just hung onto it the whole way. So, you know, he was only couple of bad kilometers off missing it so yeah absolutely incredible <laughs> what did you do for your what was your 100 take, take us back to that uh 753 so which sounds really slow when you start talking about <laughs> 605 and 630 i am an i'm nearly an hour and 50 minutes behind alexander which is what? it sounds extremely slow but i remember like i ran that i think i averaged i averaged 443 for that 100 and i remember finishing going i'm stoked with that um yeah. And then you kind of look at the times these guys are running and just go, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, I suppose the one thing is you have to run faster, but you only have to run for six hours, not, you know, another hour 45 on top of that. But, yeah, true. I'm nowhere near that level, which is just crazy. So, yeah, 6.05. Interesting when you when you talked about Dion before about him pulling out at 80 kilometres, which sounds like a bizarre thing to do, but we see this in marathons quite a bit, don't we, even in shorter, like marathon distance when a runner feels like it just isn't happening, they just go, okay, before I do myself any, you know, long-term damage and before I need to recover, I'll just finish the race. You know, they often, some of the elites pull out, don't they, sort of 25 to 35 kilometres in a marathon to say, okay, it's not happening today. No point burying myself. Um, so they're yeah. obviously so in tune with, with their body and they know whether it's happening or whether it isn't. Um, all right, Cole, that's a pretty, pretty wide scoping wrap-up of everything from last one standing to trail racing to park run glory, um, to road racing, to beautiful single trail racing out at the scenic rim and everything in between. So we didn't chat at the start, Kyle, because we used to go through your training, but we jumped straight into the uh, little chat with we had with, with Trav Island. So what what what's next for you um, in terms of running? What, what have we got yeah. coming up? 
I'm kind of, like I said, I, I took the last two weeks and just took it easy. I actually, I pulled up reasonably well. Um, you know, the first three or four days I was sore, as you'd expect after running a hard marathon, but I, I pulled up pretty well. And I really wanted to make sure that I did a proper recovery for this. I reckon by mm. kind of last week, I probably could have jumped back into stuff and started pushing if I wanted to. And I've kind of, this is probably just somewhat getting more mature after running more and lots and lots of races and experiencing what it's like to come back too soon. But I reckon I could have pushed it last week and I kind of got to the point probably the middle of the week where I said, I'm starting to feel better. I feel like I could start to go. But I said, no, I'm going to give myself another few days of just kind of jogging and everything. So I haven't really gone longer than just jogging an hour at the moment. And I reckon the last couple of days I've started to feel a bit better. I still don't feel like I'm quite ready to push really hard. Um, but I'm kind of going to use this week to start to build back into some sessions. And then like obviously Gold Coast Marathon's in what, nine, 10 weeks, 10 weeks, I think, um, just under that now. And obviously, we, we our baby's due in about five weeks' time. So hopefully around that five weeks, could be early, could be later, we don't know. But um, I'm not going to lock in anything at Gold Coast just yet, given I don't know what life and my sleep will be like in the month leading up to Gold Coast. So the plan at this stage is I'm, I am probably thinking the half marathon at Gold Coast. I know Tom and Jack are convinced that I'm doing the marathon and want Luke and I to run the marathon. But I think at this stage, we're probably going to target the half. Just I don't. I don't feel like I've got enough time to kind of really build into another big marathon block just yet. I think it'd probably be a bit too much too soon. Mm. Um, so I'll try to make the smart decision and do the half, but then, you know, I kind of throw that out the window by doing Kokoda two weeks after that, which is way too much, but look, I'll be smart for the next part and probably race something at Gold Coast if I'm in a position to, but if not, I'll, I'll be there supporting. So, so just quickly for a minute, what is the, what is, what are you looking at in the next week then to know whether you are recovered enough um to start building. i think What's, like what are you going to feel i think there's a couple of things i look for so obviously initially for me it's always like is anything painful or sore like that's kind of that first week or so i need to get rid of just the soreness so i get to the point where you know, muscles aren't sore joints aren't sore you know nothing else is sore and i felt like i got to that point within about you know, four five six days everything felt pretty good but then i probably go through a bit of a phase where i just feel like i don't have that pop in my legs for lack of a better term just that feeling like i'm ready to push i can run everything feels okay but for me it's always my heart rate will be a little bit higher than what it normally would be and i just don't feel like i could run fast like that, that's kind of the two things for me i'll kind of somewhat keep track of where my heart rate's at for you know similar efforts um and paces to before the race and kind of get an idea of that and then yeah i just i know when i've got that feeling like i'm ready to run and i feel like the last couple of days i've started to feel like okay if i if i needed to run fast i could probably push a little bit so what i'll do tomorrow is just some type of kind of impromptu session almost where i'll just kind of go through the gears a little bit and kind of build into it and just see how those faster paces are feeling and make sure everything feels good if that feels good then kind of this week will be that kind of bridging week between just jogging and doing whatever runs i feel like doing and sleeping in when i feel like it to kind of building back into proper training so this week, I, I don't know exactly what this week's going to look like. If, if I feel good in the next few days, it'll start to look like a reasonably normal week. And then next week, will probably be back to normal. Um, in if I don't feel good, then this week will be another easier week. And next week might be that next progression week. So I won't rush it. But yeah. at the moment, everything feels good. But I'll just see how the next couple of days go before I kind of commit to really pushing myself again. Because like I said, I feel good. But at the same time, I think most of us run as soon as we start to feel somewhat good. We go, yep, I'm back. I'm ready to go smash myself again. And that's when the injuries pop up. This kind of like three week post event, everyone comes mm. back too quick and hurts themselves. So I'm going to yeah, kind right. of just build back in sensibly over the next couple of weeks. And then, yeah, we'll see if I get, you know, if I get a good six week block in before Gold Coast, I'll do something. If not, I'll 
pick something a bit later in the year. So not not 100% sure at the moment. We will see how much sleep I get when the baby arrives. That will be the determining factor <laughs> in my Gold Coast plans, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's, that sounds like a, a smart move, a very smart move. All right. Uh, so that's pretty much it, isn't it? So we've we've bounced around most of those things. It yeah. is it's becoming a packed couple of months now uh, of races coming thick and fast. So there'll be plenty for us to chat about. Um, so as I said, yeah. So Kyle, you're building back up. I'm spending a bit of time on the treadmill at the moment, trying to get some leg speed back in. I'm uh, as I said, you've been seeing the these runs pop up, Tom, yeah. and I'm just thinking, how do you do it? I cannot I love run on the treadmill. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I don't know how you do I, it. I cannot stand I it. I, I don't know where it came from. I think it came from three years ago. I used to have a very low cadence, and I remember Adzi Gordon saying to me, just jump on a treadmill, let's get that cadence up and get up nice and high, start driving from the hip, and it worked, and now my cadence is up nice and where it, where it feels I should be. And I just love it. I, I love the fact that I can set it on whatever I want to do and just bash out the session. Um, so, yeah, so I've been doing a little bit on there, which is good because I'm, I'm going to hopefully jump into half marathon as well at the Gold Coast Marathon. As I said to you at the start of the year, I'm just being really patient. I've got back up to 80Ks and I'm kind of leaving it there. Uh, yeah, ticket, as I said earlier, I've got a ticket for Coastal High. I'd love to get a ticket for Blackall if I possibly could if one comes up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of no doing last 50 standing. the end of the year. Come on, no, no impromptu last man standing at the end of the year. We could, re- we could revive our, our main beach one. Maybe I'm happy to if you are. Might be a, a biannual last man standing event. I'll do no. about three laps, I reckon. No, no, no. So, um, but yeah, so I think the, the 50s, hopefully at the end, second half of the year, in this first half of the year, it's just a, it's a slow build. It's a slow build, but I feel that's the, that's the way to do it. Might even spring for a pair of super shoes in the next couple of weeks, Ooh, which would be good. Exciting. I'm, we can I've get your shoe them. review. Look out, Parkrun. Your world will change. Your world will change. I can't believe I haven't had these for the last few years. I know. I know. All right, mate. That's awesome. Uh, We'll catch you in a fortnight's time. And uh, yeah, to everyone else, enjoy the cooler weather, I guess, which is what this time of year is all about. And um, yeah, we'll catch you guys in a fortnight. Perfect. We'll see everyone then. See ya. 